about anything. Come on. Good morning, True Life. How are you doing this morning? You feeling good? All right, good. Good. Awesome. Really excited to wrap up running with the Giants today. It's going to be a really, really good day. I mean, it can't, you can't go wrong talking about Jesus. Come on, somebody. I mean, you, you cannot go wrong. The ultimate giant of our faith. And uh, so happy Palm Sunday to you. Glad that you're here in God's house. And um, it's going to be going to be a powerful day. Before I jump into the message, I just want to uh, talk to you about the next couple of weeks here in our church because uh, they're pretty important. Obviously, next week, Easter Sunday, the day we get to celebrate Jesus coming up out of the grave. Come on. How many glad when he went to the cross, it wasn't over. It wasn't finished. So many great parallels to, to his story that we can put in our, you know, some of us are facing some things in our life that feel dead. How many are glad the Bible says the same power that brought Jesus Christ out of the grave on that day is available to you and I. So what looks dead might not be dead. It might just be waiting for the power of God to show up. Come on, somebody. Man, I could preach Easter right now. I'm ready. And, uh, <clears throat> and we're, we're going to we have an entire theme for next Sunday uh, around the amazing grace of God. You know, it wasn't just the grace of God that sent Jesus to the cross. It was the amazing grace of God that brought him out of the grave as well. It was all an act of grace to break the curse over your life and my life, to free us from the law, to free us from religion, to put us into relationship, direct relationship with the God of the universe. And when you can get your head wrapped around that, man, it changes everything. It will free you. And uh, so I just want to encourage you three things. We're going to put them up on the screen that I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, this week to help us as a church get ready for Easter. Come on, how many want to have the best Easter we can possibly have next week? Yeah, all right. How many want to see some people give their hearts to Jesus next Easter? All right, because here's what we know. We know Easter Sunday is the best shot you have statistically of getting a friend or a family member or a neighbor or a coworker to come to church with you. And all of us know somebody who needs Jesus. All of us know somebody who's Maybe for some, whatever reason they've gotten their feelings hurt, they become disconnected from the local church. And we know somebody that needs to come and experience Easter with us next week. So I'm going to ask you to do three things over the next, uh, I guess, six days, seven days over the next week. Here, here they are before Easter. Here's the first one. I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray, pray, pray. I mean, that was good to talk to God. I mean, that's a, that's a good habit to be in. Ask God. During the week, hey, God, at my church, at True Life, next Sunday, would you show up? We're going to work hard. We're going to practice hard. We're going to prepare hard. We're going to do all the things we can do as a church to be ready for a great Easter. Now, God, would you show up and do the stuff that we can't? We can only do so much. And, and life change, miracles only happen if he shows up. So let's ask him to show up and anoint the service. Pray that people wouldn't encounter a church. Come on, somebody. We don't need people to come here and just encounter another church. We need them to encounter Jesus Christ. We need them to encounter the power of the living God. And so that's what I want you to pray. God, anoint my church. Help us be ready. Help us uh, get people there and show up. And God, don't let people just encounter another church, another congregation, another set of songs and another message. God, help them encounter you. All right, here's the second thing I want you to do. Are they up there? Yep. All right, here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to invite. Everybody say invite. All right, now say it like you're actually going to do it. Everybody say invite. Invite, invite all right? So listen, here, here's what I've been praying over you for the last couple of weeks, is that God is already, I hope, aligning some relationships and some, some divine uh, appointments, and, and you bump into someone that you weren't expecting to see. Maybe you haven't seen them for a while, and, 
and, and I just hope that we're aware and we're ready and that we're alert and we're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the opportunity for me to try to get someone to come and hang out with me at church. So look for it. Be alert. Be ready for it. Look for that opportunity to bring someone with you. And now when we invite, there, there are two ways to do it. There's a wrong way <laughs> and there's a right way. All right. So I don't suggest like going to your neighbor and be like, hey, I was just thinking you're probably going to hell. And, uh, but if you come to church with me, maybe we could turn that around. Probably not going to work. All right. Don't do that. You don't even know if they're going to hell or not. All right. Just, just cause you think, you know, you may not actually know. So don't do that. Don't do it that way. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't do the old, Hey, uh, come to church with me. What? Nothing. nothing. I didn't say anything. No, you, I think you invited me to some, No. I didn't. All right. So, so don't do it. Here's, here's the right way to invite. All right. In, in all seriousness, this is the right way. This is what you do. You say to someone, Hey, I'm going to be at my church, true life church on Easter. And I, I think it's going to be an awesome morning. I will, I will be next to the coffee tables in the back of the movie theater. We meet in at, at nine 50, 10 minutes before service starts. And I will wait for you there. If you'll come at nine 50, I will meet you. We will find a seat together. We will sit together. You won't feel weird or uncomfortable. You're going to have a fun time in my church. Will you come? Will you come with me? All right. And so you set it up. And I just think it'd be awesome if there were like little pockets of people all over the building next week where you you're standing waiting for the person you invited. And then if for some reason they don't show up, you just join one of the other little groups and make a friend and, and meet someone. So come on, we can do that. Right. We're not asking too much. All right. So wrong way. Hey, want to go come to church 10 o'clock next Sunday. See you later. No, don't do that. Hey, I'm going to be there five minutes before service. I will wait for you out under the canopy. If you'll come, I will meet you there. All right. Now, if it's warm enough, we're going to watch the weather this week. If it's warm enough and we haven't blown up our budget for the month, um, we will try to do the ice cream truck as just an extra. All right. So, but it's got to, I'm not doing it if it's like 60 degrees. All right. We got to at least be mid seventies. So pray for a heat wave on Easter. And, and we'll bring the truck. We budgeted for that, right? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. Here's, so pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Invite. Here's the last one. Number three, serve. serve. Sir. Yeah, I didn't even tell you to. You guys are getting it. Come on. Everybody say serve. serve. All right. Don't swerve. Serve. All right. I just, I just came up with that just now. It's pretty good. All right. So here, here's some of you are already members of the life team. You already serve on a regular basis. Some of you are not. So here's my invitation to you. Be a life teamer for the day on Easter. Some of you are life teamers, but you're not scheduled next week. My invitation to you is on Easter, show up anyway. Show up early anyway, and let's just overwhelm people with the energy and excitement we have about serving Jesus Christ together. Hello, somebody. That's a good place for an amen. Let's overwhelm people with the excitement that we have around serving Jesus Christ together. So if you're already on the team, but not scheduled, come anyway, come hang out. Let's, let's have 30 greeters. I don't think we have that many on the team, but let's have 30 greeters on the team. Treat it. Let's, let's think of it this way. If you were having a party at your house tonight and you were inviting people, what would you do? You'd make sure they felt welcome. You'd do everything you possibly could to make people feel welcome. If, if someone came to the party at your house and they just kind of came in high and they went over to a room and sat in a chair by themselves. 
and look scared, what would you do? Absolutely. Hey, you all right? <laughs> Did your dog die? What? What? What's the deal? All right. And so listen, when you come next week, if you see somebody standing in the hallway going, that's probably a guest. That's probably someone who's never been here before. So it's not scary. They won't bite you. They won't hurt you. You just walk up and say, hey, are you, you looking for somebody or, or can I help you with anything? Do you have someone to sit with? And let's be, come on, let's treat it like it's our house next Sunday. Can we do that? Oh, come on, church. Can we treat it like it's our house next Sunday? All right. Listen, I'm not sick this week, so y'all got to get with me. All right. I got some energy. Finally. Not the rest of my family, but me. Good. My wife says hello. She's kind of mad that she's not here. Uh, but our daughter missed three days of school and has had a fever. And and they're all coughing like crazy. So they're all back home. But they miss you. All right. Let's get into running with the Giants part three. I've got 31 minutes to give you seven points. How many think I can do it? Uh, <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I promise. All right. Let's look at the. Uh, Let's look at the scripture that's been our theme scripture throughout this whole series. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. One more test. You ready for Easter? All right. See, it's all right. All right. Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So from this scripture, what kind of the, the thesis of, of this series has been, what if some of these giants of faith could come down out of the stands where they're cheering for you and I, and they are, guys, they're, they're cheering us on. What if they could come down out of the stands and run one lap with us in this race of life? What would they say? to help us out? What would they say to encourage us? Because the perspective once you finish the race is different than your perspective while you're running the race. Speaking of races, one of our, one of our own, Brian Schaefer, is running the Ironman, Ironman down in Florida today, right now, and he wasn't feeling well. So you, you can throw up a prayer for him today. In fact, if you follow him on Facebook, you can follow along on his progress. Are they running yet? Does anybody know? Has it started yet? He's biking right now. So, um, so he's racing. Hopefully he wins. And um, that would be awesome. But uh, so so pray for him. But this this race of life is challenging. It's got some hurdles. It's got some obstacles and it can be a little bit tough. And so it's it's helpful to have some perspective from some people who finish the race. And here's here's the big question of the day. How many want to finish? Come on, just show hands. I want to finish and I want to finish like like there's a difference between like. done. That's me. When I run, I get back. My wife's like, good job, baby. I'm like, <sighs> all right, we don't, I don't want to come on. I don't want to drag into heaven that way. Come on. I want to go cruising through the finish line, knowing you accomplished everything God had planned out for you, that he used your life in an exceptional way. I want to finish the race well, how do we do that? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the life of Jesus because on his time on earth, he finished the race. He finished what he was sent to earth to do. And thank God for that, that he brought us the opportunity to be in relationship with our heavenly father. And so we're going to move ahead now in Hebrews 
to a couple of scriptures that we haven't looked at through the entire series. And I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. We're going to use the message here because I just think it helps articulate what's happening for us a little bit. And it says this, keep your eyes on Jesus. We could just preach a whole message on that right there. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You want to know the number one issue I run into, counseling people, working with people, pastoring people. The number one issue is it always starts with getting our eyes off of Jesus. Getting our eyes on a relationship or getting our eyes on a person or getting our eyes on a a past hurt or so-and-so said this or so-and-so looked at me funny. Man, things get a lot better when we keep our eyes on Jesus. As I was driving here this morning, I really felt like God impressed on my heart, like even in the area of finances. And you know, one of the things God has taught me over the last couple of years of starting a church is that he really is my source. Because there have been multiple times where I'm like, is this going to work? How is this going to work out? And God always comes through. And I just felt like there might be somebody here today who you're like, man, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I, I, can't, I don't know how I'm going to pay the next bill or the next mortgage payment or the next rent check. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning that, that God is waiting for you to take your eyes off of the problem and put your eyes on him and trust him to be your source. That's what he wants for you. That's okay, some clapping time. We're getting there. It's going to be church today. All right. So keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished come on say finished finished this race we're in and here's the most important sentence of the day study how he did it study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with god he could put up with anything along the way cross shame whatever and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside god the The actual translation there is he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, struggling, go over that story. What's it say? Again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility, he plowed through. And that's what I want to do today. I want to study how Jesus did it. Because, you know, sometimes I think we forget that Jesus actually gets it. The Bible says that every temptation that is known to man, he experienced it while he was here on earth. This is, it's a theological wonder because we know that Jesus Christ, when he was here, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. So all of the emotions you feel, all of the temptations you feel, I think sometimes we think God is up in heaven looking at us. This is bad that y'all put these here because I'm going to preach on them now. Can I? If I stage dive, will you catch me? (laughs) That's like a mixture of... (laughs) Get my phone ready for YouTube. I don't know why I got up there. I was getting excited about something. Jesus gets it. That's what I was getting excited about. I think sometimes we think that that he's up in heaven looking at us and we're... God... God, I need your, I need your help. Like, show up in this scenario, and I, I've struggled with this. Sometimes I think he's sitting up in heaven, like, really, You're, that prayer again? Come on, Smith. How many times do I have to teach you this same lesson? And he's not church. You need to know this about your heavenly Father. 
that he understands what you're going through. He identifies, the Bible says he identifies with our struggles. He knows what it's, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted and tested, to be worn out emotionally and physically. He gets it. Come on, aren't you thankful that he's not just some far off God with a list of rules that you've got to follow, but he gets it. He understands what it's like to be you. Should help somebody this morning. Fully God, fully man. And he isn't looking on us with condemnation, rather with understanding. He knows what we're going through. And maybe you're in that place today. You're kind of tired, kind of worn out. Listen, I think today will help you. Maybe you're on the edge of, of giving up or quitting. Maybe life is just wearing you out and you've got nothing left in the tank. You've got nothing left to give. Here's the statement I want to say to you today. It's in your notes. For when you feel like giving up, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I hope you felt it right there. I hope you, because I feel like the Holy Spirit on, on that one sentence alone settled into the room. To speak to some people today. To keep our eyes on on Jesus. So we're going to study today how Jesus finished the race. Even while he was being taken to the cross, even while he was being murdered, Jesus Christ was still teaching us lessons. And what I want to show you today in scripture, Jack Hayford wrote a book on this several years ago, that there are seven statements. If you look at, at the harmony of the gospels, all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have to look at all of them. We find that on the day Jesus died, there were seven statements recorded that he made. And they tell us a lot about how to finish the race. How to finish the race. And here's what I, here's what I hope will happen for you today. That if you will apply these seven things. Listen, I never want you to leave our church with information. Information's great, but it doesn't do anything. I want you to leave with something you can do. Something you can apply. That you can go out there and start practicing it. Today, And I think if you'll apply these, some of you don't even need all seven of them. You can just get one or two. It'll, it'll change your life. It'll bring a refreshing to you. Here's the first one. And this is probably the toughest of them all. Number one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Now, I know you guys probably don't have this. Probably doesn't happen to you, probably just happens to me, but I have some people who occasionally, I think, are trying to ruin my life. You probably don't. I know y'all are super saved. You're like really good Christians, and you probably never get offended. You probably never get your feelings hurt. But you should just know your pastor, he does. In fact, this is so important that Jesus, when he was teaching us how to pray, said, put this in your daily prayer. What did he say? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those. What he said, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. It's so important. Forgive every. And now some of us want to write in the blank, forgive one or two. Forgive everyone. Most of us want to quit. If I were to, if I were to go across the room today and say, hey, how many of you want to quit right now? Like you just feel like quitting. You ready to just go lock yourself in a dark room and, and not come out till it's all over? 
And then if I were to say why, most of us would, would give a relational issue as our reason. A relational wound, some baggage that we're carrying, would be the reason we're ready to give up. Why? Because it's really hard to forgive. And here's what I want you to understand about Jesus. If you've never studied the cross and the crucifixion, this is a brutal way to die. Sometimes you think like that the nails in his hands and the bleeding, that that's what killed people on the cross. But what they would actually do is they would rig you up on the cross in such a way that they would dislocate your shoulders. So you would hang down and you would actually suffocate to death. So it was designed in such a way that the only way you could get air, because you got your shoulders are dislocated, there's no strength there, would be to push up on that nail in your feet. Hang back down. So what I want you to think about is in the midst of that, Jesus says this, Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers didn't even pay attention. It says they started gambling for his clothes by throwing dice. I don't know who's hurt you. I don't know what baggage you're carrying. But I'm telling you this, it might be suffocating you. And what I hope you can do today is kind of stand up long enough to go, okay, God, I'm going to bring some forgiveness into my life. It's not for them, it's for me. So I can have some freedom from this. Stop carrying the relational baggage. Every day, we have to forgive people. Do you guys, anybody know who David Yonggi Cho is? Anybody ever heard of him? All right, pastor's the largest church probably in the world, like 250,000 people in Seoul, Korea. And he said one time, every day I have to forgive people because there are a lot of people I hate. (laughs) Now, how do you get 250,000 people? Come on, let's just be honest. Let's be real with ourselves. Every day we fight this battle. Every day. Every day. Maybe it's your family. Maybe somebody said something to you when you were younger and it's still hanging around. It's still creating baggage for you. Forgive. Every day. Forgive. I had to figure this out last week. And in an instant, I had to make a choice. Because I haven't shared this story a whole lot, but when I first moved to Jacksonville, Florida, it was to be a youth pastor at a church. And I really felt like God had told us to go there. And ultimately, I think it was his plan for us to be there, but it was the worst experience of my life. And I had made a five-year commitment to work in this church. And so I was refusing to quit, but I was depressed. I was not motivated. It was an unhealthy situation, and I didn't want to be there. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I couldn't get to work on time. I wanted to do anything but that job. And thank God, about a year into it, they pulled me in and said, we're going we're gonna to part ways with you. Which was kind of scary, because I had never known anything but full-time ministry with Thank God, through that process, we found a place called Celebration Church. We experienced a life-giving atmosphere for the very first time. And we spent six years just healing and getting better before we ever thought God would do anything with us again. Well, last week we went to a conference in Jacksonville, Florida at Celebration Church, which I consider home. And lo and behold, as I'm standing in the lobby, guess who walks in to attend the conference? The guys that fired me. 
And I kind of want to, like, for a split second, I want to be like, look where I ended up. Celebration. Yeah, you're here to figure out why they're kicking your tail. I mean, literally, it, but it, crossed, it crossed through my heart. And, and immediately the Holy Spirit was like, come on, man. It, it just, it was all a part of my plan. They didn't do anything to you. Look where, look where I put you. Look where you ended up. Look what I'm doing with your life. Don't do that. So I made a joke to a couple of guys who were standing by me. I said, hey, y'all need to thank them because without them, there wouldn't be a true life. And I walked over and I gave them a hug and I said, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. You're going to face that situation this week. And you got to decide. You're going to stick it in their face or you're going to forgive. Because it was... I didn't talk to the guys about this, but it was so freeing. I came home and told my wife, I said, man, I felt so free when I made that choice. And I don't even care what they thought about. It felt good for me. Just forgive every day. All right, too much time on that point. Matthew 6, 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Let me just say this about forgiveness. It's not minimizing the seriousness or pretending it was okay, or necessarily restoring all the trust. It's just bringing the balance to zero and saying, all right, I'm not going to keep records anymore. We're going to have an opportunity to start without you owing me anything. Might not be best pals anymore, but you don't owe me anything. All right, here's the second thing we got to do. First one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Here's the second one, help others who are experiencing the same struggle. Remember, on the cross, Matthew 23, 39 to 43, one of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed. So you're the Messiah. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Which, I mean, it's, you, you could tell this guy's a, he's a shyster. You're the, how can I get off this cross? Oh yeah, you're supposed to be God. Hey, prove it and help me out. So he scoffs at him, makes fun of him. Well, you're out of, save us. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me. Can you picture? I got you. Like, like, I got to be honest, like, I think I'd have been like, dude, now? We're going to have this conversation now. You realize I've spent the last three years traveling and preaching. You couldn't have, show, you couldn't have shown up, like, when I fed with the, the loaves and the fishes and been at, like, what have you been doing, dude? Now we're going to have this talk. No, it's not what he does. You're going with me. Every single one of us are going through a struggle that someone else in our life is struggling with something similar. And we have a choice. We can turn inward and we can focus on how bad it is and how hard it is and how difficult the struggle is. Or you can do the thing that will free you more than anything else whenever you're going through a struggle, and that's choose to help someone else. I'm just telling you, the next time you're having a horrible day, find someone who's having a worse day than you and do something about it, and your horrible day will be over. 
I'm, I'm, just try it. Some of you are like, that's stupid. No, seriously, it'll work. Because that's how the kingdom of heaven works. Isaiah 58, 10, feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The NIV version of that scripture says it this way. Spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. So when things are going bad, if you want to finish the race, get in a habit of spending your life on those who have it worse off than you. Nobody wants to amen that. On your worst day, find someone having their worst day and help them. Help them. Here's the third one. Be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. Remember the seven things Jesus said on the day he died. In the order he said them. Be sure you've taken care of the closest of those closest to you. Let me ask you a question. Who gets the brunt of your bad day? I know who gets my, the brunt of my bad day. If I'm not careful, it's my wife and my kids. I mean, I, y- y'all probably don't have this problem, but I've had this moment where I'm like, can I just, do you realize what today has been for me? You know how many, I've done counseling. I've got people calling me. I'm trying to plan a message. I've got to preach. But this this is ridiculous, right? But this is what we do. (laughs) You do it too. Don't lie. And then we're like, and then my, my daughter's like, daddy, daddy, daddy. I don't want to be daddy right now. I want to go. Kill something or break something or, you know, it's just. So that's what we do, man. We take out our bad day on the people that are closest to us. And what's Jesus do? Most scholars believe that Joseph, Mary's husband, died young because he's not in the picture here at the crucifixion. John nineteen twenty six. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, that's John, he said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here's your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his... So, so, God forgive him. I got you. I'm going to help you. Mom, he's going to take care of you. And I think a lot of times we get it backwards... You know, I've just made a decision that no matter what it costs, no matter what other people think of the boundaries, I'm going to put my family first. Sometimes people don't like it. Pastor, you can't make time for me? No, I'm making time for my kids right now. Because I want them to grow up and love me and love the ministry and love the church and not hate it all because I spent all my time with you. That was worth an amen. And I didn't mean like, some of you are like, what? He doesn't want to spend time with me? No, I, I, I love spending time with people. I do it every single day. But I, we have strong boundaries in our home. We have strong boundaries around family time and being together and sitting down and playing games together, watching Frozen 8,000 times. <laughs> it's 
So don't let the people closest to you get the brunt of your bad day. Make sure the people closest to you always get your best. Give them your best. Come on, somebody. Give me your best. Amen. Don't let your work get the best you. Some of us, our job gets the best version of us, and then we get home and family gets the leftovers. No. Make sure family gets the best you. How am I going to do? It doesn't work. I got I to do 60 hours a week, or I'm not, I'm not going to be able to provide and meet all my goals. Well, what if God could meet all of your goals for you? What if he's just waiting for you to get the order of your priorities right so that he can bless you and your family, and then you could spend 30 or 40 hours instead of 60 and have more than you had when you spent 60? I probably can't do that. Yes, he can. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. Man, you all aren't listening as good as I'm preaching right now. Here's number four. Realize it's all going to make sense in heaven. It will all make sense in heaven. What do we all do when things are going horrible? We all ask the same question. What is it? Why? Why me? Why is my kid sick and why do I have to hear frozen again? Why is it there more soundproofing between upstairs in my office in the basement? Love is an open door. It's like a demon stuck inside of me. Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out. Remember. In a loud voice. My God, my God. Where are you? Why have you... Even Jesus, why? Can I tell you, it's okay sometimes to ask why. But you've got to come to the right conclusion, and that's that, you know, it's not going to make sense while I'm here, but it'll make sense someday. And it will. It will. It'll all make sense in heaven. One day, I can say this with absolute confidence, every single one of us will be satisfied with the answers. If you serve Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, it might not ever make sense in this life, but one day you'll be satisfied with the answers. Why do I have to go through this struggle all the time? I I probably can't answer that for you, but I can tell you one day it'll make sense. I I like what uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, one of my my heroes, one of my favorite preachers, he says all the time that the the first sound when we all get to heaven is not going to be singing in choruses. It's going to be everybody going, oh, I get it. Now it makes sense. And it's so true. Here's the fifth one. Be real and acknowledge your need. Be real and acknowledge your need. Fifth thing, fifth thing Jesus said on the cross, John 19, 28. I'm going to finish on time, by the way. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. So even, even then, on his, you know, some of us on our worst day, we want to show everybody how strong we are, that we got it all together. Jesus Christ, Son of God, hanging on the cross, dying with the sins of the world on his shoulders. He's, I need a a drink. I'm thirsty. 
Be real. You know, that's why we do small groups here. Because you're never going to have an opportunity to get real on a Sunday morning. It's just not going to happen. But you can sit in a group with four or five people who've become like family to you. And they can say, hey, hey, how's it going really? Like, how are you really doing? <laughs> Horrible. How about you? Because, you know, we don't, we don't, today alone, there's, there's probably 100 or so people here. And there will be probably at least 150 conversations that go something like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm awesome. I'm great. But on the inside, it's not great. It's, it's awful. You, you were driving here with your wife and, or your husband this morning. Like little, couple little shih tzus. You're saying words that aren't even in the dictionary or the urban dictionary. And you, I mean, you pull, so you know it's true, you know it's happening. You pulled into the parking lot. How are you this morning? I'm great. Good to be in church. We'll finish this later. You know you did it. So when you get in community, when you get in a small group, when you get in relationships, guess what? You can, you can sit across from, from some people who you trust and who genuinely love you. And they say, how are things going? Oh, we are fighting like crazy. We can't figure it out. Oh, man, let's pray about that. Are you having a date night? No, we we can't afford a babysitter. You know what? We'll we'll watch your kids a couple times a month. You don't have to pay us. We're family. We'll take care of you. Go go have dinner. Go watch a movie. Let's get your marriage healthy. Let's get your family healthy. Come on, you can't get there unless you're willing to get real and acknowledge you've got some need in your life. Be real. It's okay to be honest and ask for help. Jesus did it, and we need each other. Once a month, I I drive up and do, we started calling it this as a joke, but I think it's actually true. I get together with a group of pastors, and we just call it therapy. And we just, there's like five of us, five of us who are pastors, and we sit in a circle, and we're like, man, what's going on with you? And we're honest, and we're real, and we're like, man, I'm kind of stressed out about blah, blah, blah. Sometimes we all just have a bunch of wins to celebrate. But we take care of each other because we all have need and we can't do it alone. Let me give you another Hodges quote. I heard him say it just a couple weeks ago. And this this quote has just always hung around in my heart. It says, if you're the only one that knows your secret, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Say it again. If you're the only one that knows your secret, you're in trouble. Don't live life unprotected and uncovered. If not in our church, then find one where you can do it. Get in a group somewhere. Get in community. Get in family together. Here's the sixth one. Be confident there's a purpose and an end. There's a purpose and an end. One day it's going to make sense. And one day I promise you it's going to be over. And there will be no more bad days. Come on, somebody. No more taxes. No more doctors, no more hospitals, no more health insurance, no more health insurance premiums. It's going to end someday. 
Bible says it's appointed each man wants to die. And it's going to happen. No divorce. No abuse. It's going to end someday. John 19, 20. The sixth thing Jesus said when Jesus had tasted it, he said, you all know it. It is. Come on, say it, it is finished. And he bowed his head and released his spirit. Now, here's the mistake a lot of times that we think. A lot of us think this is the last thing that he said, but it wasn't. And a lot of us think that what he was saying is that his life was finished and it wasn't. What he's actually saying is the curse of Satan on your life is now finished. The stranglehold that the enemy had on us. Jesus finished. Then he said the seventh thing and he walked into hell and he punched the devil in the face. finished second corinthians four sixteen. that's why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever here's the seventh thing he said a lot of us think it's finished was the last thing he said it wasn't Luke 23, 46, then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. And what was he doing? Here's the seventh point in your notes. Finally, surrender your day to God and let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> surrender your day to god and let it go now for us, some of us we read the words let it go and we think that means just be carefree and shoot off at the mouth say what you really no that's not what we're saying we're saying come to jesus take all your burdens lay them down at the cross jesus said hey you're carrying a heavy burden but my yoke my burden is light it's easy trade me Let's trade. And then you can let it go. You can be free. Come on, don't you want to live free? Don't you just get tired of living with all the heaviness and all the baggage and all the burdens all the time? Let's, let's surrender it to God and let it go. Would you close your eyes and Dan's going to come up right now. Just Dan. Some of us are so stuck trying to solve our issues ourselves. You're trying to reason things out. You think there's an intellectual answer to why things in your life are going the way they're going. You've come to the conclusion of, I can't do this. You know what I would say to you is you're absolutely right. You can't. You can't. But what you can do is surrender it to Jesus. Because he understands. He gets it. He knows what it feels like. And he went through everything he went through so that you could have freedom from it. Every head bowed, every head closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Don't get up and leave right now. We got plenty of time. I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room who would say, 
Michael, I've never done that before. I've never surrendered anything in my life. I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't do any of what you're talking about. I, I haven't even taken that first step, step one. And my prayer is that this morning while I've been talking or while worship was happening, that you felt something stirring on the inside of you. That the Holy Spirit was drawing you to Jesus, convincing you of your need for a Savior and that you would respond to that today. And you would begin a life-giving, life-changing walk with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you say, Michael, I, I need that. I need to get in relationship with God. Nobody's looking around. This is between you and me. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to know you're here. Would you just hold your hand up real quick? Hey, I just need to get into relationship with Jesus today. Just hold it up quickly, quickly, quickly. I see it. Anyone else? Just hold it up. Don't be ashamed. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer together. You can make the words your own. What's important is that just with sincerity, you invite Jesus into your life this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do one thing after we pray this prayer, and that's grab that connection card in the cup holder next to you and give us your name and your info and, and your email address. That's all we're going to do is just email you some instructions on what you can do to get off to a good start in your walk with Jesus. Not going to show up at your house. Not going to bother you. Just let us know you made that decision today. And our whole church is a sign of welcoming you into the family of God. Is just going to pray this prayer with us this morning. Would you just repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I need to surrender my life. Don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. Come into my heart. Please forgive me. All my mistakes, all my sin, change me from the inside out. From this day on, Jesus, you're the king of my heart, of my life. And I thank you.